Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to spend some, some more time there this morning. We're hopeful that uh, the Lord will teach us again about love and slowing down and loving others. Let's pray as you're finding 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Lord, help us this morning to slow down. Help us to look to you for, for words of wisdom. Help us to look to you for encouragement this morning. God, as we um, may come under conviction, Lord, help us to be willing to repent, to turn towards something new. And particularly this morning, Lord, we want to turn towards you. And so, God, as we study your revealed word to us, help us know that we can trust in it. God, as we um, come in contact daily with difficult relationships, it may be difficult to show biblical love. Lord, help us in each of those relationships to model Christ. God, help us as there's many saints in this room. Help us to continue maturing on as we're being transformed into the likeness of your Son, Jesus, from one, glory to, from one degree of glory to another. God, help us not to be self-seeking or boastful or arrogant. Help us not to be rude or irritable or resentful, but instead help us to be patient and kind, bearing all things, believing all things, rejoicing with truth, enduring all things. Help us to be a part of a love that never ends. God, help us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My hope for you is that uh, this past week, if you were here last week, maybe uh, you spent some time growing in the Lord. Maybe you spent some time being obedient to Him and to Him alone, being being a faithful follower of Jesus. Uh, my, my prayer always is that this, this time together is not about uh, me or you necessarily, but about our growth in Christ as we're studying His Word, as we're learning more about Him, as we're growing in our relationship with with him, my hope always is that when we leave this building on Sunday morning, that we leave with the encouragement from the Holy Spirit, conviction of the Holy Spirit, willingness to repent, willingness to move forward in obedience in our relationship with Christ. And so, this morning, turn to 1 John chapter 4. I know I told you 1 Corinthians 13, but I want you to mark 1 Corinthians 13, and I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. If you come tonight for the short time that we meet on Sunday evenings, we're going to break down some of this uh, together, some of First John 3 and 4 together. But I want to remind you this morning about uh, what God's love is like. And so as we're modeling Christ's love, as we are, as we are uh, putting on display the love of Christ for the world to see, and sometimes the world is just simply your kids or your spouse or your coworkers, or um, like we, we mentioned some, sometimes, like even a cashier or uh, someone just driving next to you on the side of the road, as you're putting on display the love of Christ, uh, sometimes with words and sometimes without words, what does that look like? And so I just want to remind you of this. First uh, John chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever love, loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 9 says this, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that, I, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent His Son to be the propitiation or atonement for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. So this is where it gets really difficult for a, a number of us, because we talk, we talk a lot about abiding in Christ, Apart from Christ, John tells us in John 15 that apart from Christ, you can't do anything. So we must be abiding in Christ. It means that you can't even love. You cannot love if you're not abiding in Christ. First John chapter 3, go over to chapter 3, verse 14 says this. How do you know if you are saved? Many of you are thinking already, well, I know because I've done this, or I know because I've said this, or I know because I'm here, or I know because my name is on a membership roll. How do you know if you are saved? John, First John chapter 3, verse 14, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So how do you know if you're saved? How do you know if you're saved from death into life? This says right here, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. So if you have a love, if you have a love issue or a love problem, I'm not telling you to check your salvation. I'm not trying to uh, put guilt on you or make you uh, rethink what you did when you were a child or if you are a child, rethink what you've done. But if you can't love someone, if you're having difficulty loving, you ought to see or check what you're abiding in. What is it that you're living in? What is it that's living in you? We talked about last week, unforgiveness or resentfulness, resentfulness leads to death. We don't want to continue on in life with unforgiveness with resentfulness, with this baggage, this weight that Christ is trying to remove from us or can remove from us. We want to live through life abiding in Christ and loving as Christ desires for us to love. Love is a difficult topic because most of the time in our world we talk about love, we talk about a feeling. You know, I love zebra cakes or I love fishing or I love my kids or I love God. All the same. I use the same word when I'm talking about all those things. Uh, when Paul talks about here in just a moment when we get to 1 Corinthians 13, you think about when you were a child. If you're 90 plus years old, think about when you were a child, the things that you loved as a child. Do you still love those things today? I mean, I th- think about, I uh, joked with, uh, with Klopp a couple weeks ago about a popsicle that we ate as a kid named a bomb pop. You know, those were those were literally the bomb. I mean, we we ate those often. I haven't had a bomb pop in a long time. I used to say that I loved those things. I was at the grocery store yesterday. I saw Kool-Aid. Man, I haven't had Kool-Aid in a long time. I used to love Kool-Aid. We kept up with the, the, the points on the back of the little Kool-Aid packet. And my sister and I kept up with those points, and then we bought things with those Kool-Aid points. We loved Kool-Aid. And then times changed, and I recognized that men don't drink Kool-Aid often. Uh, the men that do usually are in South Africa, and it doesn't end well. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Jesus inspiring Paul through his Holy Spirit to write these things down about love, comes to a difficult moment, uh, a moment where we talk about that when we put into practice Matthew 6.33, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, when we put that into practice, what does that look like? It, It changes our priorities. It changes how you love. It changes who you love. It changes how often you love. It changes the length of your love. 
Love says this. Uh, Paul says this. We'll just begin from the, from the beginning of chapter 13. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You ever been a part of that? Like a moment where you can't think because of how, how loud it is, because of the noise that's going on, maybe in your house, maybe in the, uh, in the neighborhood, maybe in the store. Uh, we, we ate at Papa Do's one time uh, in, in Fort Worth uh, with, my, with my grandparents. And uh, when we got out to the car, I asked Granddaddy, Granddaddy, what did you think about Papa Do's? He's like, I didn't, under- I didn't hear a word anyone said, but the food was good. I was like, well, you, what do you mean you didn't hear? He's like, there was so much noise in there going on. I didn't hear a word that anyone was said. Well, Granddad, let me tell you this. I love you despite the noise that was going on because you paid for our meal. Thank you so much for paying for our meal. That's all that was important. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Remember that this Corinthian church uh, is coming under some attack. There's some divisions happening. There's some questions that are happening. Uh, People are uh, becoming people. Sinfulness, flesh is rising up. And so because of that, Paul had to write this letter to them to remind them of what's priority. They began, like in chapter 12 and 11, they began debating about what the worship service should look like. Who should speak? Who should have authority? Uh, Who should be in charge? Uh, what language should we speak in? Whose gift is most important? Uh, I have a greater gift than so and so and so. I should be the one that's, uh, that's up on stage or whatever the case may be. And so Paul clarifies through the, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this letter to him and clarifies what a worship service should look like. What's priority? And he begins with this in chapter 13. He says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but if I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. No one will hear you. Despite the fact that you have an angelic language or language of all men and can speak their language, if you don't have love, they won't understand you at all. Verse 2 says this, And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have, have, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am garbage. I'm waste. I am nothing. I mean, we live in the information society, the world of information. If you don't know it, at this moment, Google it and you'll find out. We live in an information society. I watched a little bit of the Rangers game yesterday, and the commentators, because the Texas Rangers season is so pitiful this year, they're having to talk about other things. And so they're talking about the pigeons at San Francisco uh, Park there, and the pigeons that come and eat the hot dogs and the pretzels and the nachos and whatever. And uh, one of the commentators said, I spent last night in the hotel room researching these pigeons and these seagulls because I wanted to learn more about them. That's how terrible the Rangers are right now, by the way. That pigeons and seagulls are more uh, interesting than the rangers. Okay, so he googles all this information about seagulls and and pigeons and begins sharing this information uh, with with anyone, <laughs> the one person who was actually listening or watching watching the game. We live in a society that we want to have all knowledge. We want to know all things. We want to have all things. We want to be in control of all things. Does that sound like we're in competition with God? Does that sound like the garden scene when the fall happens? And we want to know all things. Surely will we die if we know all things? We want to know all things. And Paul's reminding, even if you do know all things but you don't have love, you are nothing. If I give away all that I have, verse 3 says, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Let's put it in terms of our mission, our mission moments. 
Uh, Lottie Moon gives her life, gives her life as a martyr, we'll say. Life for mission, life for the kingdom, life for Jesus. But if she didn't love the people she was serving, Scripture says she gained nothing. And the people around her gained nothing. Yeah, but she gave up her life. If she didn't do it out of love, motivated from the love of Jesus, she gained nothing. And then Paul goes on with the description. We talked about these. Love is patient and kind. And we talked last week, love is not these things. Love is not envious. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. I read to you the truth from First John chapter 4. The truth that Christ died for us, uh, laying out the atonement for us, the propitiation for our sins, payment for our sins, so that we may be clothed in righteousness. We rejoice in the truth. We rejoice in the truth that our sins can be removed as far as the east is from the west. We rejoice in the truth that our guilt can be taken away. We rejoice in the truth that no matter who you are or what you've done, grace is larger. And so because grace is bigger than who who you are, love, this is a catchphrase, but love actually does win. And then we get to verse eight where it says, or verse seven where it says this. It gives more description of what love is. We're going to key in on these this morning. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. This is where we get to the moment of slowing down. When we begin to slow down, then we can bear all things. You know what it means to bear all things? It means to put up with me. Please just put up with me for, for who I am. I mean, this is what the Lord, in terms of spiritualness and our vertical relationship with God, this is what he's doing. This is when we say that he's a patient God. He's a compassionate, slow to anger God. He's bearing with us, Psalm 103. He's bearing with us. He's putting up with us. Now, he will not always, Psalm 103 guarantees this, he will not always keep his anger to himself. There will be a time when he pours out his wrath upon all of sin. But at the moment, he's being patient with us. He's bearing with us. So in our vertical relationship, we use that to, to motivate us to bear all things. We use that to motivate us in our, in our horizontal, our relationships upon the earth. I mean, you know people. I don't even have to name them. I don't even have to give you examples. You know people that you don't like to put up with. Maybe they're people in your house. Maybe they're your kids. Maybe they're your grandkids. Maybe they're your spouse. Maybe it is your next-door neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's, uh, it is the particular barista at the coffee shop you like to go to. That's the coffee maker. Uh, barista means coffee maker. It's Latin, I think. Maybe you don't like to put up with those people. But it's not about you and your feelings. It's about denying self, taking up a cross, and following Jesus. So easily, I mean, you think back to the Gospels that you've read, the stories of Christ that you've read, so easily... Christ could have just said, you know what, no longer am I going to put up with this. He could have turned the tables on the whole world. I'm not going to put up with this any, any longer. But instead he bears with us. Love bears all things. This gets really difficult. It gets really difficult when you say, yeah, but there's this one circumstance where I think love shouldn't be bearing this issue. It gets really difficult. David and I, I pointed out something to him this morning. Well, what about with, with church unity? What about with, with unity in your family? What about with unity within the kingdom? What about your unity within other churches in our city? Yeah, well, you know, they got this cool logo, or they do these things, or they speak in tongues, or they have greater gifts than we do. Is this not what Paul's talking about? Division among the kingdom? Bearing with one another? Displaying Christ-like agape love so the world may see it? 
so that we see that there's something greater, there's a, there's a more, there's a, a definite priority in our life. Yeah, but there's a certain scenario. What, what if I do continue to bear with them? What if I continue to love them? What will happen to me? It's this fear that we have. It's this constant fear. Well, what if I love God wholeheartedly? Jeremiah 24-7 says that the Lord will let us return to Him when we return to Him with our whole heart. What if I do? What if I love God with all that I am? Like the first commandment tells me to do, the greatest commandment tells me to do. Well, I have this fear. What if I do that? And then it seems like in Southern Baptist world, our greatest fear is, like, what if I love God wholeheartedly and then He sends me to Malaysia? What if I love God wholeheartedly and He asks me to go to the, the person on the other side of the auditorium and tell them I'm sorry? What if he asks me, what if I love him and return to him wholeheartedly? And what if he tells me I have to go to my spouse and say, I'm sorry, Mandy? What if, what if you have to do that? Lord, I, I don't know. I want to return to you, but I'm just afraid. And the same with our relationships on the earth. What if I do love them and bear all things? And what if I end life on this earth seeking God and his kingdom and putting up with, with this person particularly? What will it gain me? Well, Paul says... But if you love, if you love, if love is what's ruling you, if love is what's controlling you, if love is what's motivating you, the love of Christ, then apparently you gain everything. Seek first the kingdom. So we bear all things. Love bears all things. So bear with me. Bear with me, right? Uh, when, when you, when you, uh, when you go home today and your spouse, those of you in here who are married, and your spouse says something and you want to, you want to show signs of, of unpatience or impatience. You want to show signs of unkindness. You want to boast about how great of a spouse you are. You say, wait a minute. Love bears all things. And you become mama bear, and you just literally bear all things in your family, and you become that example for the rest of your family. And it says this, love believes all things. Now, we have to clarify for a second here, because this believing all things is not a, hey, Arby's grows their roast beef in a greenhouse uh, in Oregon, and then, and then ships that roast beef off the plants to all their, uh, all their, uh, all their restaurants around the world. Like, I'm not telling you to believe that, okay? Like, you Googled it and you're like, wow, this is true. Did you know that Arby's, they have this, uh, hydroponics and they grow roast beef every day? It's incredible. Like, I'm not, that's not what Paul is talking about. This is talking about a faith in something, in something real. Rejoicing in truth, believing all things. This is a faith in believing, believing that if I bear all things, what if it makes me cry? What if I'm loving and the love that I'm showing makes me cry? Then Paul follows up, love believes all things. What does Revelation 21 say? There will be a day. There will be a day. There are no more tears. There's no more sorrow. There will be a day. And so as you're bearing and putting up with people and you're showing this Christ-like love and you move on to the second part of what love continues on with, it believes all things. You think, what did Christ say? It's interesting because, because I think that Christ modeled this perfectly when he's on the cross. I'm putting up with these folks. I'm putting up with the wrath of God. I'm bearing with it. I'm sacrificing my body. And I'm believing in all things. And it is why I feel like that he says, it is finished. 
And so when it becomes difficult in the relationships that you're in to love, bearing all things, and believing all things, you remind yourself it is finished. And there will be a day. Love has faith in something greater than yourself. Yeah, but if I'm putting up with this person, if I continue on in this, in this, in this, uh, in this relationship, if I continue on in this loving business, Will, will I be able to, will I be able to do or meet the, the needs that I have or, or will, will God actually, the promises He made, are they really true? Will I, will I continue, will I be able to continue on? Love bears all things, love believes all things. Particularly, love believes all things that Christ said. Then Paul moves on, he says this, love hopes all things. Love hopes all things. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. This hoping is a waiting for salvation type of hope. Like we are waiting with full joy, with full confidence, that we're patient again. Love is showing patience, that we have hope that there will be a day, that we have Faith that there will be a day, that we have a holy confidence in what God has or is doing. Love hopes all things. This is where I think repentance comes into play. Because repentance is this turning away from or t- turning away from something and towards something else. So, uh, so it's a, it's a facing towards, you know, over here, this is the direction I'm going and the Bible's told me to repent and turn and seek after something else. And so I'm going to, uh, move towards something else. And particularly in, in, uh, in scripture, we're, we're seeing that repentance means turning away from the world, the things of this world and turning to, turning to Christ. Seeking Him, putting our vision upon Him because He's the author and perfecter of our faith. How else can you love if you don't know 1 John chapter 4? If Christ is not abiding in you and his love's not abiding in you, how can you how can you love? So when we're hoping all things, we're we're having this patient uh, Mark Clifton talks about patience this way he says it's a uh, in church revitalization it's a tactical patience. Like we have this tactical patience about us. And we have this hope in us that we know in confidence that what Christ said is going, that what, the things that he says is going to happen will truly happen because we have hope in Christ. So we, we continue to love, hoping for something, for something greater. Uh, we say it a lot at our house, time will tell. Time will tell. Like uh, while we're teaching our kids, uh, you know, things like the ABCs, time will tell. Uh, when we're teaching our kids uh, manners, uh, if, we're, what, if we're teaching them is correct, then time will show, time will tell. Time will tell if, uh, you know, 15 years from now, if we're teaching them the things that are supposed to be priority, then time will tell. This is a, a hoping all things. Like my hope is, is that I'm teaching what I should be teaching. My hope is, is that I'm being faithful like Christ has called me to be faithful. My hope is that I'm being obedient to Jesus. And if I'm being obedient to Christ, then I'm hoping that what, uh, what he has commanded, what he has said, what he has promised will actually come true. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never ends. Love endures all things. It means this. It remains. Uh, it abides. It stays put. It has a stick to Love endures all things. I'm not a very good example of this. I was just talking to Brian about this. You know, um, 
ministry uh, tends to be uh, difficult for whatever reason. I think it's just because uh, people are difficult. You don't know who I'm talking about. None of you are on uh, um, uh, this, but uh, but people tend to be to be difficult, and so ministry uh, can be difficult. We were just talking about how uh, stats of how the length of stay of of ministers or pastors at a place, and how we're not seeing longevity anymore. Uh, we were talking about a, a friend of ours in ministry who's hopped from place to place to place, and then as we're talking about that under holy conviction, I'm like, hey, you could easily be talking about me, the number of churches that I've served in. You could easily be talking about Paul, the number of churches that he served in like what's what's going on there uh, and I have to check myself and I say is love is the love that I'm modeling a biblical love a love that endures all things we mentioned this last week moms and their kids they endured the labor of childbirth maybe or c-section or whatever or just the nine months of growth in their belly and yet they continue to love. They endured through that, yet they continue to love. Jokingly, we talk about sports teams with men, how we continue on and press on. I will continue to be a faithful Texas Rangers fan no matter what. I'm going to endure all things. But it seems like men, for some reason, we, we can do that really well. But in the relationships that actually matter, we have difficulty we have difficulty with this. Sin begins to rise. Satan begins to tempt. Evil presents its way. And we want to wander off. We become like this prodigal son, yet we don't return. We begin to wander off and look towards things that we think might fulfill us or satisfy us. And love endures all things. To remain, to abide, to stay. In your vertical relationship with Christ, uh, this is where we ask this question. Uh, are you more in love with Jesus today than you were yesterday? Are you more in love with Jesus today than you were last week? Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus so much that you're more in love with him than you were 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 60 years ago or 70 years ago? Do you see the faithfulness, the bearing all things, the putting up with, the believing all things, the hoping all things, the enduring all things in Christ in your own relationship with Him. And in that, are, are you or is your relationship with Christ growing? My hope is this, that you desire that. That you desire to grow and mature in your relationship with Christ so much so that no matter what is presented your way, no matter if it's 40 years in the desert leading the Israelites, you still Bear all things. Endure all things. You still love Christ and the Lord because, because He is, because He is faithful. And then Paul ends by saying this in this particular passage. He says this, love never ends. It never fails. It never falls. It never ends. He talks about a short time here. He says, prophecies, they will pass away. Tongues, they will cease. Knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. He goes on to say in verse 11, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Uh, this particular passage needs a lot of d digging into. You can spend time in Sunday school next week digging into uh, th that particular passage, but I want to end with this. Love never ends. Love never ends. I'll remind you of what I said at the beginning. Remember when you were a child and uh, you loved certain things as a child? I mean, you, you loved them. Popsicles. You know, friends, 
Like maybe you even had that childhood friend, and you're like, uh, you know, you uh, you experienced, uh, you know, fourth grade together, and so it's like we have this bond, this fourth grade bond. It was incredible. We'll we'll never separate. We'll love each other forever. Or maybe it's like seventh grade girlfriend boyfriend type thing. We're never going to separate. And then like summer happens and it's over. You're like, Mama Mia, what happened? I don't know what happened here. It just ended. Why did it end? Because it probably wasn't true agape love. Here's what we're seeing with our Father. Here's what we're seeing with our God. He doesn't like to abandon. He doesn't like to give up on. He doesn't like to fail people. He doesn't like to fall. He wants to remain constant and the same. Love never, love never ends. Why is it in my own life, you can answer this for me later if you want, why is it in my own life that I feel like I'm growing towards loving more things on this earth as I get older than loving Jesus more? When I read scripture and I know about him, I see what he's doing. I see that he's not giving up. I see that he has this love that never fails or never ends. And yet I tend to love things that are failing, that are ending more than I love Jesus. Why is that? It's a heart issue. It's not returning to the Lord with my whole heart. It's returning to the Lord with parts of my heart. Not all of it. Christ calls us faithful, to be faithful and obedient to him. To know that love never ends. So 10,000 years from now, what should we be investing in? What should we have been investing in? A thousand years from now, what should we have been placing as priority in our life? A year from now, what is it that Scripture is telling us that we should be seeking after? Hopefully, you see that we need to be seeking after things that do not end, particularly love. Think about this. What is constant in your life? What is, what is it that's a constant in your life that's never changed, that's always been the same? Wives, I know it's not your husband. Like I've seen pictures. You can look at uh, you know, wedding pictures of my own. Like <laughs> Men change constantly, sometimes rapidly. Sometimes you take a shower and uh, you know, somebody was telling me this week, you take a shower and like, whoa, well, that's all gone. Things have changed. It's just like the seasons. It's all fall, falling out. What is it that's constant in your life? And whatever that constant is, slow down and spend more time with it. So, so think about the changing seasons. We're in between, kind of an in-between time. Summer's almost ended. Fall is about to happen. And so with that, Weather's changing, temperature's changing, winds are changing, uh, leaves are about to fall off. We're, we're having this change of season. And then fall happens and everybody's excited for pumpkin spice lattes and, and corn mazes and football and uh, whatever else happens during the fall. We, we, we get really excited about that. And then winter happens, right? And it's just uh, this depressing time. Christmas is over and uh, the presents weren't that great. And then we have this, this time of winter uh, that we're waiting for spring and uh, and. And it's just this depressing moment. Like, are we ever, I mean, it's a country song. Are we going to make it through December? We don't know. Like, if we can, then things are going to be great. But we have to just hope during this time, during this season. Hope, put up with, bear with, live through it, look for something that's constant. And then spring comes around and growth begins to happen and we get really excited about stuff and allergies kick in and people pass out and it's just like this great time of, of regrowth. And then summer happens again, like we're back in this, we're back in this season. 
During seasons, some things end, some things begin, most everything changes. Most everything changes. There is one constant throughout all seasons, and that constant is the sun. The sun never changes. Stays in the same place, never changes. The sun never moves, it's always in the same place. If that's the case, if that's the case, throughout every season, what should we do? We're in winter. It's a depressing time. We're not seeing any growth. doesn't seem like it's worth putting up with. Am I going to really bear through all this? Do you know what's going on in my life right now? This is pitiful. Do I have to continue to love during this moment? And then a great reminder happens. The sun begins to rise. And you see it and you remind yourself, ah, the constant. Love never ends. The sun has risen. No matter what the circumstance or the scenario that you're in, no matter how difficult the time is, if you want to model Christ and put on display for the world or whoever the world is that you're a part of, when you model Christ, then daily you say, the sun has risen. You believe all things. You hope all things. You endure all things because you know that love never ends. What's the constant in your life? Christ. The Son of God. He's the only constant. It's why he says seek him first. It's why he says put your vision upon him, the author, perfecter of your faith. It's why he demonstrate, He demonstrated what true love is so that we can model that to the world. We keep our vision upon the Son. The Son never changes. The Son always stays the same. The Son has risen he is seated at the right hand of God. He has all power, all control. He knows all things. And yet he endured all things. He bared all things. He put up with all things. And his love never ends. And with that, we are motivated to love like he loves. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for how incredible you are. Thank you that you put up with me, that you love me, that when I am not faithful to you and desire to run and flee, you stay the same, your love stays the same. God, thank you that you have endured all things. That we can truly put our hope in you. And as we put our hope in you, we can bear with people of this world because we believe what you've said. We can continue to love because it has no end. God, help us as a church to put on display kingdom-centeredness, Christ and his love is our priority. God, help us to be reminded daily of the risen Savior that you are, that all power, control, all knowledge, all wisdom, all majesty, you have all dominion, all of it belongs to you. 
And instead of using your power and control against us, you woo us toward yourself, draw us towards you. Because you're an incredible, loving Savior. God, help us to be a part of, as people that belong to you, something that never ends. As we're reminded daily, God, of change, as we get overwhelmed by culture, even climate change, silliness of things of this world, as we get overwhelmed with technology, changing curriculum at schools. God, as we get overwhelmed with things like different insurance companies, as we tend to respond hastily to all those changes, God, help our vision to be focused on the risen Savior, the love that you're displaying for us that never ends. God, thank you that we can trust that we can trust in you. God, thank you that we can trust in the completed work of Christ. That we can trust in your love. That you loved us so much that you sent your son to be the propitiation for our sins. And your word says that if you loved us this much, yet also to love one another. So God, as you abiding in us, convicting us, changing us, making us into the, and shaping us into the people you desire for us to be, help us to be willing to turn away from things of this world and turn toward you, a love that never ends. And in so doing, help us to model Christ to the world that we live in, in our homes, in our jobs, in our classrooms, in our cars, in our shopping. Help us to model Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Time of invitation, time of